Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Harabedian, recorded live at Eagle Heart Ministries. So if a hundred people in this congregation, everyone gets ten grand. In one year, in our current mindset, this is what it would be. Eighty would be broke again with no asset. Sixteen percent would have their money hidden in a bank. And the amount of interest they're making would be less than the inflation rate in America. So technically you would have less also. From what the Lord gave you. Are you a wise steward with your talent? And four out of a hundred would double it, triple it, quadruple it. One might even make a hundred times on his money. And you want to know what? When that happens, everybody would look at him. Well, he must be doing something funny. He ought to be sharing with us. He's got so much, he ought to give it to us. Greedy. Why would he give it to you? What did you do with the last 10 grand you got? Okay, said another way. 80% of the body of Christ is into subtraction. They take away from whatever you give them. 16% are good at addition. They add a little bit. But only 4% are good at multiplication. See, God is into addition and multiplication. The devil is into subtraction and division. I can tell you who you're serving in your finances. By your subtraction and division in what's given to you. Versus your addition and your multiplication. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. How many of us know of a man by the name of Solomon? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 1. Verse 7. Old Testament. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 1 verse 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon. How many would you like to have God appear unto you? Amen. Jesus appears. I, I had that privilege in 1990 in a prison cell. I've seen him on three occasions when he's appeared to me in either a dream or before our eyes and stayed. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a holy moment. It is life changing. You cannot encounter Jesus and leave that situation the same. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now, verse 10, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Verse 11, And God said unto Solomon, 
Because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches, you've not asked for wealth, you've not asked for honor, nor for the life or revenge of thine enemies, neither have you asked for long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself that thou may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge today is granted unto you. And in addition, I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings that have had been before you. Neither shall there be any after you that will have this in this dimension, in this degree. Did Solomon ask for money? No. You don't have a money problem. In fact, he who loves money never has money enough. When you have a love for the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God to be a steward or to properly govern or to meet the needs of other people, God will trust you with the wisdom and the knowledge and he'll give you wealth and riches not for your Learjet Corvette and a house by the lake so you can look good but rather so you can be a steward and to meet the needs of others that's what the money is for is to advance his kingdom to meet the needs of others and by doing so you introduce them to the Jesus who died for you and was raised from the dead if you still want it for personal gain don't serve Jesus that's the wrong way if you're going to do it and serve yourself. Just go admit it. Serve the spirit of mammon. Give your life unto the spirit of mammon and burn in hell for eternity. Put a generational curse on you and your household and all your children. Watch sickness, disease, depravity, drug addiction run rampant into your household. Watch your children become pimps and prostitutes and gangbangers. Die early in life. Commit suicide. Get hooked on pharmaceutical medications. Amen or ouch? Look into Hollywood. They die early. Multiple marriages. They end up in jail. And they come out and the spirit of mammon says, Okay, good. We got him in jail. We got him out. Now we give him a record label. And we can train other people how to shoot at cops, how to commit adultery on their wives, how to get and sling dope and do crazy videos to prostitute themselves for money. And men, if you've been watching that stuff on video with your buddy and you think it's funny, what if it was your daughter shaking it like that? It's not funny now, is it? It's not. Well, if you sow a seed, you can reap a harvest. And you can sow a seed with your eye gate, your actions, what you spend your money on, and bring that curse into your house. God's calling us to turn from that stuff. Make it plain. You want to learn how to prosper? Stop prostituting yourself to the spirit of mammon. Selling yourself for a quarter. 
in one form or another. And then you're waiting on Boaz, your kinsman redeemer. Boaz ain't looking for that. He's looking for Proverbs 31, girl. A godly woman. Amen? Wisdom. Getting wisdom. The principal thing. By serving the Spirit of God, because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it, you end up doing things God's way and he begins to prosper you. When we do it the world's way, it brings some problems our way. Because some, after having searched after riches, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So when you have money that comes with sorrow, it's not from the Lord. It's the spirit of mammon, which is a Syrian deity with its roots in Babylon, whose control is over the world's money. Doing it the world's way. When you do it God's way, he addeth no sorrow with it, and you still get the stuff, but it's to advance his kingdom. The more you get, the more humble you are in God's kingdom. In the world's kingdom, the more you get, the more prideful you are. In God's kingdom, the more that you get, the more you want to serve and share with others and help them come up and prosper so all their family needs are met. In the world's way, the more you get, the more you want to exalt self, and you're more and more selfish and bitter and egotistical and arrogant. Do you see the difference? One serves the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, over money. The other serves me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, over money. One exalts God and raises everybody up around it. The other worships self and pushes everybody else down. Does that make sense? People are popping into your minds as I'm saying these things. Because the Lord's showing you people around you that are trying to manipulate and control you with money and get you to compromise your values and your morals in one form or another to trade your morals and values for money so you can get your ends. i got to make my ends meet. i got more month at the end of the month than i got money. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews. We're going to look at a verse. And we're going to get into this. We're going to get out. And we're going to see the Lord move. All right. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. How many want to leave an inheritance under their children's children? Two generations. How many of you can do this today? Be honest. If we can't do it today, but the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, he addeth no sorrow with it. He takes the money of the wicked, gives it unto the righteous. And a righteous man leaves an inheritance unto his children's children. So your children have a transference of wealth from you into their hands and their children have a transference of wealth from you into their hands. That's the biblical standard. You talk to my accountant, this is what he'll tell you about his Jewish clients. His Jewish clients who don't believe in Jesus, I happen to be a Jewish client who does believe in Jesus, but his Jewish clients that that don't even believe in Jesus, their net worth, when they come to him, they're worth ten times more on the average than Christians who do believe in Jesus. They don't even have the New Testament. They don't even have Jesus. They don't have the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Yet just out of the Old Testament, they've been able to dig out more wisdom regarding finances. And the Bible talks about finances 2,000 times. Different verses. God is big on this money thing. But we can't serve the spirit of mammon and God. If we'll serve God, He'll give us the stuff. Why is it, if we're under a new and a better covenant, Christian, why did you go to a Jewish banker to get a loan? Why are you paying him interest when you've got a better covenant? Unless he's doing something that you've missed from the Old Testament. Is this making sense? Do we have a better covenant? We do, right? If they can prosper under the law, what can we do under grace? So now we've identified we must be doing something wrong if people with only half a book can get more accomplished than we can with the whole book. Yeah. I like that. That was good. That hit. That hit. That's word. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, verse 2, Hebrews 7, verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. That's tithing. And by the way, that predates the law. Tithing predates the law. Ah, but that tithing, that's under the law, brother. You ain't got a tithe. No, tithing predates the law. The tithe tree was in the Garden of Eden allegorically. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of that tree. But you can have from every other tree in the garden. All right. Just give me my tenth. Don't touch that. And you can have everything else. Everything else will be blessed. But the minute you partake of that tree, you come under a curse. The tithe is not yours any more than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was theirs. Even though they had access to it freely, the minute they took of it, they came under a curse and they got booted out of the garden. And they had pain in childbirth. And he had to toil with the work of his hands. The minute you partake of the tithe, the tenth, which is sacri- which is set aside unto God, here's what happens. The 90% has the blessing lifted off of it. But the minute you bring the Lord the tithe, the tenth, into His house that there might be meat in His house, See, you got the gospel for free. You know why? Somebody paid for the lights to be on, the church to be built. The past generation toiled here and they worked hard and they sacrificially sowed so you can sit in a nice pew today. You're reaping the benefits of another generation. Will you carry it to the next generation? Will you keep the flame alive? And if you will, God will bless your 90%. And how many would rather have good soil to sow into than bad soil? How many would like to have good weather conditions for the seed that you've sown? See, when you sow the seed, the tenth, the tithe, here's what happens. The 90% is blessed. All of a sudden... You get quickened when you've crept up over a certain speed limit and the Holy Spirit says, slow down. And all of a sudden, a car who's riding on the back of your bumper, you're like, well, they're kind of pushing me. You just get out of their way. 
Right. And they buzz around you. They get pulled over. All of a sudden, your tires don't wear out on your vehicle like they used to. And when you have to get new tires, like I had to recently, I went in to a friend of mine and he said to me, he said, well, David, let me call a friend of mine. This is what happened. And he's in this business. And the man says to him, he says, well, those tires for that vehicle are kind of, you know, expensive. And he says, uh, well, what's the best price you can give me? And he says, well, wholesale I can give them to you for this price. And he says, is that the best you can do? And he said, well, yeah, that's the best I can do. And he says, uh, okay, let me think about it. Calls it back, calls me in. And he says, are you sure that's the best you can do? And he says, well, how close are you to this guy? And this is what he said right to him in front of me. This is the favor of God. He said, I'm closer with him than I am with you. Instantly, the guy drops the price to his cost. Doesn't make a dime on him. A week later, my friend called back to get the same tires. They had gone up $40 a tire on that guy's cost the next week. And this guy still wanted to mark him up to him to make a little margin on it, which is appropriate in business. People don't have to do everything for free. Let them make a little money on you. Not a lot, but let them make a little money for their time, talents, and energies. The servant is worthy of the hire. But in this situation, it was a favor deal. And I walked out with a brand new set of tires that will carry me another 60 or 70,000 miles with the gospel. And to this day, he's like, I've never seen that person react that way. See, favor's not fair, but when your tithes are right, your offerings are right, and your alms are right, God will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you, Proverbs 16, 7. And he'll give you special favor, special deals. Wherever I go, it happens. I don't, I don't take it as an entitlement, but as... A humble way of saying, God, you are so good the way you do things. When I go into a car dealership, they they won't even charge me for things. I literally have to beg them to ask them permission. Will you please charge me for this? They'll just turn around, walk away, and, and they'll punch me into the computer. But then they'll do additional free stuff. Little bonuses and upgrades that they can justify somehow because they just want to bless you because you're connected with Christ. I'm not talking about connected with religion. I'm not talking about connected with a fraternity called a denomination that you may have exalted above Jesus. Well, I'm first. I'm part of the first church of the frozen chosen. And well, because I'm part of the first church of the frozen chosen, then uh, I got special favor and you have to give me a special deal because Clarence knows Bill and you know he's part of the denomination and you know our our secret hand sign. That's Babylon. I'm talking about when you walk in and you don't know anybody and they just look at you. Or when somebody sees you and they walk up. You know what happened to me? I was at a conference. I was at a conference in North Carolina. I wasn't speaking at the conference. Nobody knew me at the conference. I slipped into the conference. And while I'm there, a man walks up to me. He's from Europe. And he walks up to me. And he says, excuse me. I said, yes. He says, you don't know me. He says, but the Lord spoke to me. He says, to sow into your life. He says, 
are you in full-time ministry? And at that time, I wasn't. I said, no, I do work 40 hours a week in the ministry, but I'm not in full-time ministry. He says, the Lord is wanting to carry you into that place. He says, and he directed me to give a seed to you to help move you that direction. I said, okay. He says, I hope you don't mind. He says, it's not in U.S. currency. He says, all I have is euros. Well, at that time, euros were worth about 1.3. So they were worth $1.30 at the time. Okay. And I said, euros are fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's not a problem. I can get them exchange. Yeah. And he says to me, well, here. And he reaches in and he pulls out several 50-euro bills. And he gives me 14 of them. Never met the man before in my life. And he gives me 700 euros worth about $1,000 at the time. And they're red bills. And I'm like, this is good. Yeah. This is good. Paid for my whole trip. And then I was able to sow 300 euros into some international ministry friends that were coming to, to meet with us, to take, it over, take us over to another church, Mahesh and Bani Chab, to their church. And, and uh, so I was able to sow, because they go to Europe all the time. Well, since then, they've invited me to Europe to preach. They've invited me to Taiwan to preach. They've invited me to Indonesia to preach. See how relationships are built when you're not an owner of the stuff, but you're a steward of the stuff? Freely you have received. Freely you shall give. Is there a bottleneck in you? Get the bottleneck out. Get into a culture of generosity and it will flow to you at all times. When people give me stuff, I'm like, Lord, what is this for? You know, the tendency is, oh, this is for me. No, it's through you. God doesn't have a problem getting money to you. But if he has a problem getting money through you, he'll stop getting it to you because there's a bottleneck. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is interpreted king of peace. Verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, he abideth a priest forever. This is Melchizedek. Talking about the Old Testament visitation with Abraham, the father of our faith, when he began demonstrating as the father of our faith, tithing to the king of Salem, the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, who's without beginning of days or end of days. He's eternal without beginning or end. He's a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ on the earth. Melchizedek. And Abraham gave him a tenth. He sowed seed. And this is what it says. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Verse 5. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi. <coughs> the sons of Levi, which are the priests. You've got 12 tribes. Levi is one of the tribe, the priestly tribe. Who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Right. Verse 6. Now he whose descent is not counted from them receive tithes. So Melchizedek doesn't have a descent. He's without beginning of days or end of days. He's a pre 
incarnate manifestation or appearance of Christ. They call it a Christophany or a theophany. Theos meaning God, often appearance. Christophany, Christ. The anointed one, often appearance. The anointed one appears before he's born in the Old Testament. Remember, he was the fourth man in the fire? It looked like the Son of God. You remember when Joshua says, Who are you? Are you for us or against us? He says, Neither. But as commander of the Lord's army, I am here. Take off your shoes where you're standing is holy ground. He's the angel of the Lord that spoke unto Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Now I know that you love God because you've not withheld your only son from me. The angel of the Lord, not an angel. You see the difference? It's a whole different teaching, but... So Abraham gives a tenth of the spoils that God gave him through his war and his toil. And he immediately comes under the blessing and becomes a father of many nations. Do you see how he's a father of many nations? He's a steward over many because he was faithful with a little. He got authority over much. What are you faithful with today? Verse 7, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Abraham, or the father of our faith, is less than Melchizedek, who's the better. Why? Because he's the pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ who would later die on the cross for us and is forever exalted and sits in heaven interceding in prayer for you and for me. And here it is. Put on your seatbelts. Verse 8, And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it was witnessed that he liveth. And as I may so say, verse 9, Levi also, the priestly office, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Verse 10. For Levi was yet in the loins of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him. What are you trying to say, David? Levi hadn't been born yet. Yet the Bible says every time Abraham paid tithes, Levi paid tithes, even though he wasn't born. It's a generational blessing. But, But hold it. Levi's not the direct son of Abraham. It's Abraham, then had Isaac, Isaac then had Jacob, Jacob then had 12 sons, one of which was the tribe of Levi. So every time Abraham gave a tenth, the Bible says Isaac gave a tenth, Jacob gave a tenth. And Levi gave a tenth. Every time you come to the offering plate to further the kingdom of God, to take care of the house with your tithe, your children just tithe because you gave money. Your children's children just tithe because you gave money. Your children's children's children just tithe because you gave money. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your bloodline that you might build up an inheritance and release a blessing unto your children's children under the third and fourth generation. Young men say, well, I don't have any children. 
Neither did Abraham when he was tithing. Yet every time he tithed as a young man, those that were still yet in his loins that he didn't know he was going to have. Can you look in the spirit and see what your great-grandson looks like right now as a young man? You're just thinking about getting married. Some of you aren't even thinking about that. Some of you got to get some other thinking out of your head. Amen. Do it right. Amen. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Amen. We got too much baby mama drama going on. Come on, Amen. God will forgive us for that and he'll redeem it and turn it into something great. But hey, wouldn't it be better not to have the problem to start with through right thinking? Right. Amen? You know, it, it takes less to have a household with a husband and a wife and three kids than it does to have three households with three girls. We have to change our thinking. Okay, here we go. You ready? This is what the 4% wise do. Number one, they separate their money in five distinct categories. They use jars or bank accounts, mason jars, you can put envelopes, whatever it is. And here's what they have. They have a tithing jar. Yeah. Let's go ahead and pull that over. They separate their money into five separate jars. And if you'll write this stuff down, here's what will happen. You'll begin to apply these principles. It works for everybody. You know why? Because we all make 100% of what we make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every one of you has an income of 100% of what you have. Amen. So don't say, oh, well, this is for the rich. No, it's for those that want to become wealthy. All right. And if you're happy with where you're at, do not take notes. I don't want to mess up your happiness. <laughs> So here's what we've got. We've got our tithing jar, and that represents 10%. It's non-negotiable, it's never more, it's never less. The tithe means 10. In Spanish, it's el diezmo, like uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Diez, el diezmo means 10th in Spanish. Tithe means 10th. It's never more than 10 percent and it's never less. It's tenths. Right? right? Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, we do have an offering jar that is above and beyond the tenth. Mm -hmm. But the tithe is always a tenth and it goes to the house where you're getting fed. It doesn't go to the visiting minister. The visiting minister should never get the tithe. Mm -hmm. It's not his. It's for the house where you're getting fed. That there might be meat in my house. That the pastor, his family needs are met. The church's needs are met. There's clothing in the house to give away to the people. Right? The offering is for missionaries to advance the gospel, to send people out. Right? Then there is Praise the Lord. Our savings jar. And by the way, 
these numbers, the tithing doesn't change. That's always going to be 10% because you don't touch the tithe. Here's the thing. You'll either bring the tithe... Hear me. You'll either bring the tithe unto the Lord or you'll give it to the devil, but you cannot keep it. You know how I know you give it to the devil? Because I'm seeing what some of you spend it on. Saw 6. That is a terrible movie. Murder, death, and mayhem. You know, I'm going to tell you something. You pay for that stuff to get into your head, and then you wonder why you need deliverance at the altar. You sacrifice your tithe to spend it upon stuff, and then you come to the altar and wonder why you can't get delivered easily. You have to repent for what you did with the tithe. And what you did with your time. You could have been praying, you could have been reading the Word, but instead you're getting entertained by stuff that literally torments your soul. And then, as we get older, if we haven't repented, then we get on Xanax. We get on sleeping pills. Because now we can afford to go to a doctor to mask our problems instead of coming to the altar and confessing. Come on, come on, come on. This is gospel. The measure that you and I empty ourselves out at the altar is the measure God will fill us up. If I had a cup of dirty water here and it was only a third full and I poured nice, fresh, clean water on it and I said, man of God, take a nice, fresh drink. You'd look at that you'd say, did he just try to insult me? Is he trying to poison me? I can smell the water is dirty and putrid. Oh, brother, only 30% of it's bad. I got 70% good water in there. Drink. Be happy. Be filled. Yet we come to the altar. We're unwilling to repent and really pour ourselves out before the altar and get the filth out. And we want, oh, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Fill it up and make me whole. And God's convicting us of our sin. Well, break ties with that relationship. Get that off your computer. Throw out that music that glorifies the world, the flesh, and the devil before you come into service. And I'll power you up. But I'm not going to mix my holiness with that filth. Because if I do, it could kill you. All right. And I'm so merciful and I love you so much that I'm not going to feel you right now because it could hurt you. Because the presence and the glory of God in sin do not mix. It creates a catalyst called judgment. Now that, does that mean that God won't touch you at the altar because He so loves you? Yeah, He will. But how much more would He touch you wow. and me All right. if we say... I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender all. Well, some. Some to Jesus. Some to me. Come on. Come on. I surrender some. Yeah. I surrender none. Right. But I want to look good at the altar. Because I'm going to manipulate my mom and the pastor. With a little false repentance and tears. Oh, I surrender some. All right. I surrender none. 
some to Jesus, some to the devil. I surrender some. So the tithing is 10%. The offering, it can vary. It can go anything above the tithe. It could be 1%, 5%, 20%. It could be 30%. And it's different things at different times. The Lord has had me sow large offerings at times to further the kingdom. An offering is not an alm. An alm is something you hand to somebody when they're in need. That's completely separate from the tithe and the offering. That will come out of another jar. Now you have a savings jar, and I recommend 10%. The same way you give God His tenth, you need to give yourself 10%. And you keep it in a savings jar. If an emergency shows up, instead of coming to the pastor and saying you've got a financial emergency, or going to the banker to borrow from him at an interest rate, or going and pawning your car at payday loan for a very small interest rate, if you ever get your car back at all, you go and borrow from yourself out of your savings because for several months you've been saving one-tenth of what you make and you've been putting it in there. And guess what? It's an emergency. You had a dental thing come up. The minute the dental thing is over, it's resolved. You have a medical need. You had a car repair that was unexpected. It comes out of your savings because you don't have money somewhere else. Here's what happens. When the money comes back in, you put 10% of that paycheck away and you now out of your other jar, your spending jar, which we're going to get to, you now end up repaying the loan to yourself with interest. How many of you want to be your own banker? Then start a bank. Well, Brother David, I don't know how to start a bank. Start an envelope. Start a jar. And make sure you put your jars in a safe place. Because the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And people who don't have your same mindset may think that those jars are theirs. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I know that's never happened to anybody. Yeah. Johnny never took anything out of your purse, did he? Mm-hmm. Okay. The next jar is your investing jar. Your investing jar, you can put 10% in your investing jar. And these are numbers that we can start with. So you've got 10% tithing. It's not yours. It's God's. The offering is your choice. The, the tithe is not your choice. Right. You can either bring it to God or give it to the devil, but you don't have a choice in it. It's true. See, if you bring it to the Lord, He'll receive it. Mm-hmm. If you don't bring it to the Lord, the devil's going to take it because He has free reign on it. He'll get you through speeding tickets, parking tickets, Vandalism on your vehicle. People will steal stuff from you because you open the door. Because we are cursed with a curse when we don't bring the tithes unto the Lord. But if we bring the tithes and the offerings into His house, He'll pour out such a blessing we won't have room enough to receive it. How many really believe God on this? Amen. Amen. But you can't believe God on this and then still live like the devil. Right. That's why we've got this altar to get rid of the stuff that's been compromised pirated bootleg stuff that we really stole the intellectual property rights of or stuff that we need to come bring to the altar. Some of you got some drug paraphernalia you need to get rid of at the house. What do you have it for? 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry I went there. Pornography magazines, you got stuff on your computers. If I was to look through your text messages right now, you who sang, All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Some of the stuff that you wrote on a text message this week is so vile that if you were to have me take your phone and put it up on the big screen TV right now in front of the congregation, you'd run out the back door. It wouldn't be funny then. But you know on the day of judgment when we stand before the Lord, He will make us give an account for every idle word out of our mouth. And some of the visual depictions and images that you get on your text messages. When people send me stuff, they only send it to me one time. I write back, wrong number. I don't tell them they're in sin. Wrong number. You know what they write back? Oh, sorry. They know they sent it to me, but they only send it one time. Because if you grin, you're in. Don't agree with the enemy. You might think it's funny, but you're like, wait a second. Jesus walks with me and He talks with me. He does not think that's funny. It's sad. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm talking about being wise. And I'm not talking about judging other people for their actions. We need to judge ourselves. So we're not judged. And we can just write back, bless you. But sometimes we need to write wrong number. Mm -hmm. I I don't entertain that stuff. See, I spent 20 years trying to get free. Right. I'm not going to get back in the cage. Yeah. I know how quick I can go that other direction if I'm not careful. I'm trying to stay saved. Amen? I'm not trying to lose the anointing on my life to heal the sick and cast out devils and to walk in prosperity. And prosperity is not about money. It's a mindset and a culture of giving where man's needs are met in every area of their lives. When the Lord tells you to do something... Prosperity means you have the funds to do it. When He tells you to go on a missionary trip, you have funds to go do it. When He tells you to come to North Little Rock, Arkansas to release healing and the gospel and the prosperity, and they say, well, how much will uh, it cost for you to come? Nothing. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, do do you need me to send you expense money? Do we need to put you up in a hotel room? No. I'm coming because the Lord spoke. Yeah. That's prosperity. All right. Amen. That's good. Amen? Amen. Do you see the difference? It's not a business model. Well, if we go to this church, we can make so-and-so. If we go into Bentonville, they got big churches and they got big bank accounts. We can go ahead and bring in a harvest there. Oh, we'll give some to the Lord. Maybe we didn't fund the Bible ministry. Mm. Well, how many is in your congregation, sir? None. Could I see the tithing records? It happens, doesn't it? But people that really care about you come in to bless you. And then if you're blessed, you want to respond in like mind. So there's an investing jar. And I would recommend you start putting away 5 or 10% in that. You could even put 20% away in your investing jar. But for these numbers, we're starting here. And then you've got your spending jar. 
That's where you spend. You take care of your cell phone, your car payment, your house payment, whatever you've got going on. If you want to buy new clothing, if you want to have an entertainment expense, it's right out of your spending jar. So you've got tithing is 10%, offering is 5%, savings is 10%, investing is 10%, and that represents 35% right over here. The other 65% is right over here. And here's what happens. If you're living out of more than 65% of your income, change your lifestyle. Thank you. You're living too well. Short term. But you'll always be in financial crisis because you're overspending. And that's what happened in our nation the last couple of decades. And we thought, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do another tax stimulus thing. We're going to go ahead and take another trillion dollars. We're going to take a trillion out of the deep end of the swimming pool. We're going to scoop it up and we're going to go pour it into the shallow end of the swimming pool. And we're going to say that we stimulated the economy. Now, how are you going to take a cup of water out of the deep end, pour it in the shallow end, and say you added something? You can't do it. There's no work that's been done. There's no service. There's no. Can you imagine Jesus walking in and saying, "Well, let's just give another million dollar, trillion dollar." This. And by the way, I'm not attacking one administration. Every administration's been doing it. This is not a Democrat. It's not a Republican problem. It's not an independent problem. This is a sin problem and a way of thinking in our society that's got us into a problem with credit cards and debt. To where some people, I ask them, "What your percentage is on your credit card for interest?" Oh, 23%. 23% you're paying interest on your credit card? You could have been paying 23% back to yourself if you'd have saved. Amen. Here's the other thing. If you had an investing jar and there was something in it and somebody walked up and said, you know, I'm in kind of a pickle right now. All right. Could, I, could I sell you something? Well, what are they going to give you at the pawn shop? $200. $200 for that is worth three grand. I'll give you 200 Well, I'd rather give it to somebody that at least I know is going to gain a benefit than the pawn shop. It's yours. It's legitimate. It's legal. Oh, yeah, I've got it, this and that. Let me give you two and a quarter for it. You'll make a little more money, but it's gone. Then you can turn around and sell that thing for 500 You just made money, and you can put the money back. You see? Right. But if you don't have the money to invest, if you don't have the money, but you only buy things that appreciate in value, you don't buy things that depreciate or go down in value with your money. Another illustration, tax time. People are getting their tax checks back. Pastor said today, the best time if you're a bus driver for a school or something to get a job, if you're not working to get overtime, is this time of year. Do you know why? Historically, bus drivers, when they get their taxes back, they stop working. Yeah. Yeah. So they quit working because they just got some money in. Now they go party. Now they're like, oh man, well, I guess that money's gone. I guess I better go back to work. Sorry, job not available. Oh, maybe I'll go on unemployment. You gave up the very thing that God gave you, but somebody else, more wise than you, a four percenter, said, I'm going to go fill the gap and take the opportunity. The spending jar is where you give your alms out of. You don't give it out of tithes. You don't give it out of offerings. You don't give alms out of your savings to Pookie. Pookie got a need. Comes out of your spending jar. It never comes out of your tithing jar. It's not his. 
Right. You're going to give your tithing to a devil instead of the house of God. And you're going to delay them from repenting and they're going to continue to manipulate you with your tithing money. Lord have mercy. Please. They just brought you under a curse. They're already under a curse. And here's what you tell them. Come to church with me because there's meat in his house. Let's get to the altar and empty ourselves out. Otherwise, I have no reason to help you. I'm only going to help give you money so you can continue to sin. They got a pack of cigarettes. They got some blunts in their pocket. They got a 40 ounce. And they're asking you for money. Yeah. Ain't worked in a year. Right. And you're going to give them your tithing money. Please. Come on now. Really? We need to change our thinking. Right. But you know what? The minute they repent, God will provide for them. Right. In fact, the, the pastor under the anointing, when there's true repentance, he'll know by the Spirit, he'll say, those that feel led to sow into so-and-so's life to pay their house payment or their car payment or to get shoes on their kids, come up now. Or God will speak to somebody in the congregation. They'll reach into their spending jar. They'll walk up. God bless you, brother. Good to see you. He'll be like, what's this? It's a Holy Ghost handshake. I got a handshake blessing. He'll be like, oh. He didn't ask anybody for it. He didn't manipulate anybody for it. It came by the grace of God. And the fruit of it is repentance. The fruit of it is he has a closer relationship with Jesus, not just a closer relationship with Shanika. Right, right, right. That's good, that's good. That's good, Pastor. Is this helpful? Okay, the 4%, the wise stewards, they separate their money into several distinct categories of use or jars and intentionally prioritize their usage. They do not mix their jars. If I ask you, I've got an opportunity for you to invest uh, $300 in a network marketing company opportunity. You know what you would say to me? Well, I don't know if I can afford it. But if you get your five jars, you would say, I don't know. Let me look. I've got that amount. I can pay for the auto ship. I can pay for the tools. I'm going to run this like a business. Then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have a limited liability corporation done for a few hundred dollars. I'm going to run all my money through that out of my investment. If that's foreign language to you, let me put it in a different language. What I'm going to do is when I file my taxes, my computers are right off. A portion of it. My cell phone's now a write-off. 55 cents a mile on my automobile is now a write-off. I got 153 write-offs now. Right, right. Because yes, I'm a 1099 employee and I own my own business. I'm no longer just a W-2 employee right. where they take my money first and then act like they're doing me a favor by giving it back to me on a tax return. Right. I got so much money Teach. back on my taxes. Teach, man. How much did you give in? Yeah. More than that. How much did you get it all back? I don't know. Well, guess what? You only got three write-offs in this category. In this category, you got like 150 or something. Yeah. Guess what? You can write off your meals, 50% of them, because when you were with somebody, you exposed them to your new business opportunity. So if you've already got a job where you're a W-2 employee, I encourage you to seek the Lord. I'm not telling you tax advice, accounting advice. I'm not telling you business advice. I'm telling you business principles. Right. Okay? Wise business principles. I'm half Jewish. I come from a background where this is taught in our generations, and it comes from the Word of God. Right. And if we'll do the things that the Word of God prescribes for us, if you take 
take a medication according to the prescription, it works. Mm -hmm. right. If you only take it according to when you want, it doesn't seem to work. Right. That's good. Take the medication every four hours. And in seven days, this will be the result. Well, yeah, I took it once. I got half the bottle left over. But you know, I mean, I still got the same problem. I can't figure out why. Mm -hmm. yeah. So here's what happens. When you begin to invest in something, I'm not telling you to invest in a network marketing company. 98% of the people lose money in those. But why don't you become a two-percenter? Run it like a business. Instead of pay to play, why don't you go ahead and work the business, pick a good one, or you can invest with somebody in washing cars. There are people that make millions of dollars because they're willing to go out and do work. They're providing a service or a product in exchange for money. Not just words or promises, but products and services. And that helps make the money go around the world. In the, the black community, his, historically, the money does not stay very long. Right. One time, 1.3 I think it is. In a Jewish community, it's 10 to 12 times. It goes to the jeweler, it goes from the jeweler to the accountant, the accountant to the lawyer, the accountant and the lawyer then give it to the doctor. The doctor brings it over to the grocery store. The grocery store clerk then turns around and he gives it to the person who owns the gas station downtown. The gas station clerk then turns around and gives it, you see how it goes? In, in the black community, historically, here's what happens. I'm telling the truth, aren't I? Okay, here's what happens. Some Vietnamese owns a convenience store. You know why? They're wise stewards. They live in 20 in a house. They're cooking their meals at home. They're not eating out. Right? And they're working 16 hours a day. And everybody from the oldest to the youngest... They're not looking for a government entitlement program. They're not looking for a handout. They're looking for a handout. Right. I was just out in California. I was with my brother. A man comes in. He's, from, uh, he's Armenian and he was from uh, Syria. He came into the United States with his 16-year-old brother. They got a job pumping gas. They worked their way up. They, he would warm his hands in the cool mornings on the gas pipe mm -hmm. when he was because the gas tanks used to be in back you youngsters don't know about that behind the license plate and he would literally put his hands on the tailpipe to warm his hands up because he couldn't afford gloves and the person that owned the gas station would laugh at him didn't respect him you want to know what happened he kept doing it he kept doing it because of working all the hours that he did he burned his body out now he needs health recovery Okay, He had blisters on his hands at night. He'd go home, where'd these come from? That's how he stayed warm in the cool winter. But he worked, he worked. He's a multi-millionaire now. Everything he touches turns to gold. He ends up with art. He ends up with automobiles. Every time he turns around, he's making money. He was humbly, very humble man. You wouldn't know. They pulled up in a seven-year-old Toyota. But he also had a Mercedes-Benz, he had a Bentley, um, he had a Porsche. They don't even drive those cars because they're not that important to him. But they were talking about the latest cars and this and that. He likes to turn around and get like uh, five of the, uh, the coupons where you put like 2,000 a piece down on the car that's coming out two years from now. And so when, when the new Bentley's coming out or the new BMW's coming out, you get first on the list. 
So you put your 2000 down so you have the permission to buy it retail for cash. And so he gets five of them. Because people want that car when it comes out and they've got money, he'll turn around and drive it from one dealership across town three miles to the other dealership and they'll give him thirty-five or 40000 more for the car than he paid in an hour. So five times $30,000 to $35,000, $150,000, whatever, $75,000, he makes when he does those deals, when a new car comes out. Because he can afford to, because he's got an investing jar, and he's got a savings jar, and he buys in an asset that appreciates in value, not depreciates in value. But it started with him warming his hands on a tailpipe. All right, wow. What are you willing to do? No more excuses. Ask the Lord for the Solomon wisdom and He'll give it to you. Okay, they separate their money into several distinct categories. Number one, this is what the 4% tend to do. We're going to run through these. We're going to get out of here. We're going to move into some healing. Number two, they focus their life on fulfilling a calling or a vision. What's your purpose? Why do you want the money? Do you want to put your son through college? Daughter through college? Do you want to leave an inheritance to your generations? Do you want to meet the needs of the people in the community? Do you want to create a 501c3 not-for-profit organization so you can do Bibles to prisoners to change lives one Bible at a time in a thousand facilities across the United States, state and federal? If you've got a vision, people will sow into your vision. But if you have no vision, people perish. There was a man who's signed up for college that's going to cost him 93000 for college. You know what? Somebody will meet that need for college because he's bettering himself. Right. But if he said, hey, I want to, you know, I need 93000 so I, I can buy some toys. I mean, I, you know, can I get some toy money? Oh, you want to better yourself with academics so that you can be someone who provides a product or a service into society. Do you see the difference? Number three, they invest. The 4% invest their resources only in things that multiply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. They also invest their time and energy in people who multiply. Mm -hmm. I can tell you whether you're prospering by the people you hang around. Right. When you hang around people that are excuse people, they've always got their hand out, they think you're a palm reader, I think. I'm a Christian, I don't read palms. All right. Well, I just need... No, I'm not a palm reader. You need to call the 1-900-PSYCHIC line. I don't do that stuff. You need to come to the altar and repent if you do that. But when you keep putting your hand out, if I never see this side of your hand a single time, don't ever show me this one. You ever get around people, all you see is their palm? You know what I do? Come on up here, Pastor. This is what I do. After it happens a couple times, they like put their hand out like that. Well, I need this and that. I'm like, hey, good to see you. I'm like, wow. I turn their hand over. I say... That's amazing. I've never seen that before. They're like, what? I've never seen that side of your hand. They're like, oh, that's messed up. I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Why is it every time I come to you, you come to me with this, and you never come to me with this? You're not adding into my life. You're a taker. You're a parasite, and you're making me the host. Do you know what the... And he's not a parasite. This man is, is very generous, okay? But, but here's what happens. When you get around parasites... They try to attach to a host. And you know what a parasite will do? It will suck the life out of you until you're dead and it will kill itself in the process where it will go find another host to survive. If Pookie is a parasite, break ties with him. 
Make them meet you on holy ground. And tell them the first thing we're going to do is go to the altar. And we're going to find out a pastor who's discerning in the Spirit is recognizing a godly sorrow under repentance, not to be salvation, not to be regretted, instead of a worldly sorrow that's faking and shaking. Is this good? Invest your resources only in things that multiply or people that multiply. The devil's into subtraction and division. You get around people that always tear away and divide the body of Christ. They turn you against godly people or they turn godly people against you. Cast out the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel is not your friend, but she wants your husband. And you can tell. Don't listen to her. Get rid of it. Break ties with it. Wrong number. Don't answer their calls. Send them to voicemail. If they leave a message, listen to it. Pray over it. Call them back at the appropriate time. Do not give them further access into your life. Because if you do, you're sowing your time, your talents, and energies into things that do not multiply. And by doing so, you will keep yourself in the position or make yourself in a worse position. This is practical wisdom. Number four. The 4% understand that the economy flows in cycles. And therefore, they anticipate like a good boy scout or girl scout and prepare for each new phase in the cycle. The cycle flow, the economy flows in cycles. You have up cycles and down cycles. Does gas fluctuate in price? Yes. Don't you try to get the best price on gas? Yes. Some of us are so, so crazy about it. We'll like drive a gallon of gas to save, you know, like two pennies. Right. That's not even wisdom. But we're so, we're so tied into that. And then we'll go in once we find the gas for two cents cheaper and we'll buy the $1.39 soda pop. <laughs> and then we end up putting acidic fluids into our body and then we got to come to the altar because we've done it for months and months and months we wonder why we're sick and now we wonder why we can't get healed at the altar because we've been drinking the wrong soda pop instead of the water of life right. we're drinking coke or pepsi or mountain dew or energy drinks wow. we're messing up our body with this stuff and we're paying to get poisoned. Now, I'm not, I'm not an anti-soda guy, but I think we ought to use wisdom in this matter. Okay? I had one the other day. Okay? But the point is this. I don't drink them every day. Because your body will feel different. If you haven't drank a soda in a month, go ahead and drink 32 ounces and see how you feel the next day. You'll feel like a truck hit you. You'll be like, why am I so sore? It's the... the see, you're so used to it. It's not that you build up a tolerance to the problem. You're so deep in the problem, you don't even know you have a problem. And guess how much you can save a month when you don't drink the sodas? Or you make your coffee at home instead of stopping by the latte cafe. But you did save two cents on the gallon. Spent $1.39 on the soda. Mm, okay. Understand that economy flows in cycles and therefore anticipate and prepare for each new phase in the cycle. If gold is going to go up in price, 
don't sell your gold now wait for it to go up then sell it if gold is down in price buy gold and store it but only at when it comes in low or silver or coffee do you know how much coffee went up last year 30 percent you'd invested in coffee and saved your Folgers or Maxwell house in your if you drink coffee and that's what you do you know, if that's what you do sugar also went up you could have bought that and stored it but instead you may have put your money in a bank and made two percent you could have made thirty percent if you'd invested in food these are simple things there's some things coming on America and they're not too far off we need to prepare the Church of Jesus Christ needs to prepare we're in a very unique situation if we prepare and have some stuff if we prepare and have some stuff, when it happens, people will come to the church. And I'm talking about church as people. You're a believer. You know how to get a hold of God. Yeah. And instead of us praying for God to send angels for supernatural provision, which He will do, we'll go to our pantry and be able to give them some stuff. Right. We need to make some packs up with some coffee in it and some chocolate bars or whatever, some food, tuna and some rice, things that are easily prepared and have some of those put away for those things. I have food at my house. I bought containers of food. They're good to go. I've got 30 days of food, which by the way, may be illegal now. I don't know. That's what they're doing because they're trying to control our food supply. And when I say they, I'm talking about the powers that are against Christ. I'm not talking about a political group. I'm talking about the power of the enemy versus the power of God. Don't get caught up in this political stuff. You're a Christian. A Christian is not... God is not Democrat or Republican. He's not. And the devil just laughs because both parties are controlled by the enemy. And you've got some good people in both parties and you've got some bad people in both parties. Follow Jesus. And vote what the Lord tells you to vote. Because you're accountable for your vote. Don't vote Baptist. Don't vote Pentecostal. Vote Jesus. And if Jesus is showing up in the Baptist church, go there. If the devil's showing up in the Pentecostal church, don't go there. And if tonight he shows up in the Pentecostal church, go where he's showing up. Does that make sense? We need to get away from these labels and titles and get into Christ and His Word. Number five. The 4% prepare for and leave an inheritance for at least two subsequent generations. Proverbs 13.22 and we're closing. See, these are things to think about. How many are going to Get their five envelopes or five jars and start living the biblical way. In one year, if you'll do this, I'm telling you what, in 90 days if you'll do it, it's not just a natural blessing. God releases a supernatural blessing when you do it. And here's what happened. When I created my jars, business deals started to happen out of nowhere. And God began to fill my jars. When I started to save, when I began to put money in an investing jar, my investing jar, it just keeps getting filled and then I invest in other things. I now own stock in two separate companies that I ended up with on the most unusual deal. And I was able to get it at such a reduced rate. It was unbelievable. And you know what they said? They said, you know, 
We'd rather sell it to you than anybody else at this price. I said, can't you get X amount of thousand per unit? They said, absolutely. I said, why would you sell it to me for 30 cents on the dollar? And they said, it wasn't manipulation. I know. They said, we'd rather give it to you than somebody else because we're going to be partners long term. We want to invest. We want characters. We want, we want character invested in our company. Plus, David, you bring a Rolodex that will bring to our company more revenues than these other people that are passive investors. But if I didn't have the investing jar, I couldn't have afforded to it. Instead, I would have had to have called a friend of mine to give them the opportunity and then not make anything for introducing them. Right, right. How many of you have done that? You introduce somebody into a deal, they make money, they walk away, and you end up with nothing, not even a thank you. And they forget you. Do you know why they forget you? Because you're not part of them. You're not part of the 4%. Right. Right. They're like, you don't have your five jars. You don't qualify to be in our elite club. They have that attitude, don't they? Guess what? There's a reason they have that attitude. They don't invest in people that are subtractors well, or dividers. That's good. They only invest their time in people that are adders and multipliers. You can lose some friends as you begin to prosper, but you'll gain new friends that have the right mindset or are coming to Christ. Does that make sense? You have got to get away from people that steal from your life. Your time, your talents, and your energies. Because if you don't, they will steal from you your time, your talents, your energies until you are dead. And they'll want anything in your bank account. Then too, they'll want your jewelry. Can I get the furniture? Hey, can I have the laptop? Oh, you're going to prison. You mind if I get that? Can I get your wife? They will. What about my kids? Oh, no, I don't want them. Those are yours. Proverbs 13.22 A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. There's a great transference of wealth coming to the body of Christ. It's going to come in two forms. Two primary forms. One, you're going to lead a wealthy person who's a sinner to Christ and instantly the money's going to change from wicked to righteous. You're going to lead a wealthy person to Christ and instantly the money is going to change from wicked to righteous because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are going to become new and they're going to want to use their money for the kingdom. That's going to be a great transference of wealth from the wicked to the righteous through the born again experience. The other way it's going to happen is God's going to give you witty ideas and new inventions because we're going to pray for Solomonic wisdom today if you want it. And God's going to give a supernatural visitation to you. Tonight and in the days ahead, maybe even at the altar. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a witty idea, a new invention. And God is then going to give you a desire to seek other people out that you can connect with that are multipliers and adders, not subtractors and dividers. They won't steal your idea or divide you away from the truth of it or divide you away from Christ in the process. And He'll bring a team together to make that thing happen. And all of a sudden, in a matter of months, 
you'll be on your way. Funding will automatically come to it because a wise investor will see somebody that's on the rise and they'll invest easily in it. You don't have, you don't have a money problem, you have a thinking problem. I don't have a money problem, I have a thinking problem. We have to change our thinking. Repent is to change our mind concerning what God says in His Word. And here's the final verse. And by the way, you are the sum total of every person you have ever met. Therefore, it is important to meet and be shaped by the right kind of people. People who inspire you to be the best. Have you met Jesus yet? His word will inspire you to become the best. Proverbs 18.9 Amplified Version. <coughs> Amplified Proverbs 18.9 he who is loose and slack in his work. Don't miss work. Don't call in sick if you're not sick. And if you are sick, lay hands on yourself. And release healing in the name of Jesus. Call someone on the phone. Have them agree with you in prayer so you can go to work. So you can make money. So you can have money in your tithing, your offering, your savings, your investing, and your spending jar. He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. Bible. If you're loose and slack in your work, your brother is the destroyer. And the destroyer is the devil. And he does not use his endeavors to heal himself. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself financially, physically, emotionally, mentally, he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. Those are strong words. The miracle is in your hand. The miracle is in your house. God has already given you the ability. And if you'll use what you have and you're able to do, because your responsibility is your response to your God-given ability. Your responsibility is your response to your ability that God has given you. And if you're faithful with that, He'll begin to add increase. And here's what happens. You'll make up your envelopes or mason jars or bank accounts or however you do it. Whatever level you're at now, just like the Nike commercial says. Just do it. James 1.22 Don't be a hearer of the word only, deceiving your own selves, but do what it says. You're not too young to start today. Amen. You're not too young to start today. And you're not too young to teach your children how to do it. And they'll pay for their own college by the time they're in their senior year. Because they'll become wise stewards. They'll lend to many but borrow from none. They'll make money on the weekend with their friends. Until they get their allowances or until this or that comes through and they'll make money on it. There's so many ways to do it. But God will give you new ideas and witty inventions and He'll give you business opportunities and ideas and He'll connect you with people that see that you're ready and they'll pull you up to the next level. Don't expect them to take a chance on you if you're not a horse that, they, that you would bet on. But if you prepare yourself as a vessel of honor fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work, God will add increase and things will come out of nowhere. But you've got to put yourself in position with your jars. If I told you it was going to rain chicken noodle soup today at 2 o'clock, and let's say I was actually prophesying, and half the congregation would believe me and the other half would laugh at me. 
and the half that got their buckets out and put them out would catch chicken noodle soup and they would be filled. And the others would watch it hit the ground and run off. God is saying, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. You better get ready and bear this in mind. God showed Noah the rainbow sign. Won't be water but fire next time. If you get your buckets out, God will fill them because it's about to rain. New ideas, witty inventions, new business opportunities. He's going to rain. And if you have your buckets, you'll catch it. And if not, you'll watch other people prosper around you. And you'll say, why does it always happen to everybody but me? All right. Don't blame God. You don't have a money problem. We have to change our thinking. That's our problem. Let us stand. Today the pastor is going to take up two, two, two offerings. One is the tithe that goes to the house. We don't, as visiting ministers, take from the tithe. That's wrong. It's not the visiting minister to do that. It's our job to teach you how to get into the bonus with God, which is the offering, which is above your tenth. Mm -hmm. And if you'll do what God tells you to do, He'll do what He promises to do. Does that make sense? And so we're going to do that, and then we are going to pray over the offering and the tithe, we want to keep them separate, but we'll pray over them. And uh, what we want to do is then we want to release the impartation. Because there's a value add and a value ask. When people add into your life, then they ask you to do something. And by the way, pastor knows I did not come here for money. I do not live out of the offering plate. And most of the money that comes into our, my ministry ends up going for Bibles. The Lord provides for me really outside. And handshake blessings and some other things that people do. But uh, yes. Oh. Amen. And we've taken up uh, offerings throughout the the last three days. We haven't touched them. We've left them because we want to pray over everything at the same time so that people are under that atmosphere where God brings supernatural increase. Can you say supernatural? Supernatural increase. What is supernatural? It's when you do something in the natural, God adds his super to it and becomes supernatural. The boy with the five fish and the two loaves, he did what he could in the natural, didn't he? And he gave it to Jesus. And what happened? He added his super to it. It became supernatural. He ended up with five, 12 baskets afterwards. Does this make sense? This is not an emotional sermon today. You can jump and shout and come to the altar and sweat and it's all cool. You can even cry and feel better. But if you go back out and there's no permanent change. If there's no permanent change, it's just religion. But when you connect with Jesus... There's a change. Amen. Pastor, come on up. Which is which? So it's supposed to offer. I mean, time. Time. That'd be the time. That's the time. Okay, so let's. Yeah, let's separate them because I want 
the tithe to go to the house of God to meet the needs of the house. And what happens is that way we don't take from the house and some visiting minister comes in, blows in, blows up, and blows out and takes your money from your house. And then you guys don't have enough money to have the lights on and this and that. You're like, boy, that really cost us. No, the offering comes above and beyond the tithe. And now you bless a minister and then gifts are imparted and favor is brought. You see, we have to separate those things biblically. Does that, does that make sense? We've mixed them. Most people live out of one jar. 96% live out of one jar. They don't know. When you separate the jars, it's easy to determine what's what. This stuff works. Because it's in the Word. And five is the number of grace. Amen. Five-fold ministry comes in to equip you with grace. David had five smooth stones. Knock out your Goliaths. Amen. So, okay. These are from the previous days. So let's go ahead and remove these off. So this goes into the house. This goes into the visiting ministry. And we're going to do Bibles to prisoners and some other things. And so, bring your tithes. Because you'll either bring it to God or you'll walk out the door and give it to the devil. But you cannot keep it. Okay. Praise the Lord. You have your tithes? You have your own? You have separate? Well, I, got, I have a question. Uh, now, as far as a song who have may have put tithes and offering in the check? That's a great question. Then on the check they can designate what is the tithe and what is the offering if they want to put it into church. And I trust him on everything, you know, as far as that goes. So that's a great question. So you can actually put in the lower left-hand corner of your check, you know. And envelope. Yeah, and you can put it on there and designate. Because we always want to agree with you on where your tithe or offering is designated to. I'm very specific on that. Sometimes people come up and they're like, here David, I want to give you this check. And I'm like, okay, what's your intent on the donation? What do you want me to use this for? They're like, oh well, this is for the ministry. I'm like, okay, we'll put it in for Bibles. They're like, okay, and that's just what I say. A lot of times they'll say, oh no, no, this is for you. For me as in personal, you need a 501c3 tax exempt uh, return. We'll run it through the ministry. They will 1099 me and I'll be accountable on the finances. They'll be like, that would be great. I'd like a 10, I'd like a 501c3 tax receipt for that for my taxes. Great. We run it through the ministry. They say, no, David, that's for you to do whatever you want with. I don't need a tax receipt. And that becomes a gift under the banner of the Internal Revenue Service. We always want to submit to authorities and follow the rules and the laws of the land. God's put them there for a reason. Amen? And we can work within those. So always designate what it's for and you can even put what you want from the Lord in return. Money is a universal seed. If you sow clothing, you'll reap clothing. Your wife sewed a purse last night and she didn't want to, did she? She didn't. It hurt her to give up that purse, didn't it? See, she smiled. But see, while she was debating 
obeying the voice of the Lord, we were out shopping. We'd already bought something for you, a, a nice jacket, right? Amen. The Lord had laid that on me. I left the store, and I bet it was the same time that she was debating. All of a sudden, the Lord says, go back and give her a purse. Uh -huh. And we went, and I thought, you know, like, I know much about purse shopping. I had Calvin with me. I'm like, Calvin, what do you think of this? He's like, you know, I don't know, and I'm not really trying to figure that one out, Dave. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I'm like, so we had to ask a woman. She's like, oh, that's a very nice purse. Did you like the purse? It's a nice name brand purse. Then we gift wrapped it, and at the end of the service, we gave you those things. The minute you release what's in your possession, God will move upon somebody to release what's in their possession. While you're filling out your tithes and offerings, I want to share this because it's significant. One day, the Lord spoke to a man, and he says, the man on the, on the second row, I want you to give him $50. And so he says, okay. So he reached into his pocket to give him $50. And the Lord said, I want you to give him $100. He's like, is it 50 or 100? So he reaches in, he gets another 50. The Lord says, give him $50. <laughs> and he says, am I schizophrenic? Am I hearing two voices? What is going on? Well, this went on for about 10 minutes. And he kept on hearing 50, then 100, 50, then 100, 50, then 100. And finally the Lord says, give him 100. And the man went up to the offering plate and put money in. And the man, as he was coming back, he said, excuse me, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he gave it to him. And the man looked down, and it was a $100 bill. This is what the man said. He said, you know, I was sitting there. I didn't have much. He says, but I was debating on whether to give $5 or $10. And I kept vacillating back and forth between the 5 and the 10. And I'd say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give the 10. And then I would vacillate back. I can only give the 5. Okay. I'll give the 10. And every time he said he would, God changed that person's mind. And every time the man changed back, God changed the man's mind. Your miracle is in your seed. Wow. And if you'll plant it, God will move on people you don't even know. You had no idea yesterday you were getting gifts. You had no idea when you gave up your purse, you'd get a new purse. A nice one. Very nice one. And so you don't know that your miracle really starts with you with what's in your hand. And if you'll sow the greater, you'll reap the greater. Doesn't it feel good to come bring clothes and give them away? Amen. Some things, it's a release and a pleasure to give. Others, it's painful to give. And God is not moved by what you give unless it moves you. Uh -huh. If you want to get into the next level with God, do something you haven't been doing at this level and He'll carry you into it. How it happens... It's different every time, but it works. And get the sin out. If you had cancer in your body, you wouldn't feed it, would you? You'd get it out. This stuff is not healthy for you. And if you'll get it out, your body will become healthy. You ever see how somebody has a surgery, they look worse after the surgery than before? But a few weeks later, they look better, don't they? Right. Sometimes it's painful. And one final thing. Pain is often something that's not healthy for you leaving your life. Right. Yeah. That's Marines. Yeah. That's the word. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Marines said pain is also 
sometimes a relationship that's not good for you leaving your life. Isn't that liberating? Aren't you glad they're gone now? Mm -hmm. The person is either a blessing or a lesson. You can call them on the phone. I want to thank you for being a great lesson. <laughs> I won't be talking to you anymore. But you were a great lesson. And if you can do that with a right spirit, and you can laugh, you can say, you know what? We met for a reason. You were a great lesson for me. I'm glad I've learned that and graduated. But not in a malicious way with them, because they're still stuck at that level. They don't even know. They think they still did right. And you know what? You've been a great lesson for a few people too. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Amen. Amen. Don't miss your blessings and don't miss your lessons because the blessing is right on the other side of the lessons. Amen. Amen. This has been another powerful teaching by David Harabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidharabedian.com.